This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Greetings. This is Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm about to have a conversation. I, Master Plo, have you heard of this conversation? Yes, Kotor Yar, Obi-Wan. You're listening to Star Wars Conversations here indeed. Welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles. And I'm Pat. And this is episode 98. Have the brisk winter temperatures got you down? Has the crisp air left you feeling as frozen as the hot tundra? Then plan your trip to Endor or many of its lush moons. Uh, These temperature leisure worlds are uh, renowned Pat, Pat, for vacationers galaxy-wide. Yeah, I'm almost done. Hold on. Pat. Partake in forest and, bowling with Andor. What? Andor. Not Andor. Andor. What about the thrilling blurg hunts? Um, yeah, I, I don't know what you're talking about, but we're talking Andor, not the forest moon of Endor. But I had a whole Banshee bird hammock thing set up. Yeah. Um, wow. 99 episode episodes. 99, Andor. How did this no-nonsense freedom-fighting shoot-first rogue become a martyr for the rebellion? He's been doing it since he was six years old. Is that better? Does that work for you? Oh my god. <laughs> that works much better. <laughs> Perfect. Oh my gosh. Thank god we have Michael and Dale with us because it's, it's already we off the do. rails. It's true. All of it. <laughs> wow. That was close. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. This is going to be fantastic. We have... The entire season of Andor to review. We're going to do the first six episodes here, and then we're going to jump over to your show, and we'll do the second set of six on your show. But thank you guys so much for joining us this morning. Thanks again for having us again. Woohoo! Yeah, awesome. We've got lots to talk about this episode, haven't we? With the first six, and um, it only mm. gets better after that. Yes, indeed, absolutely. Um, so let's jump into it. When you guys first heard about this uh, series being launched, what was your first thought about this? Like, you know, overall, what was your expectation for the, uh, for the show itself? I was so thrilled because I just loved Rogue One and I love um, Cassie and Andor and just wanted to explore more of how they got to where they were and just how the rebellion builds up because we obviously see in Rogue One that they're not all together yet. Mm. So, and... So some of these things have exceeded my expectations over the whole series of seeing and that political uh, adjustment with my Mothma. I wanted to know how she got to where she were. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I'm the same as Michael. I was really intrigued with the concept. It's a sweet spot that I wanted to see explored uh, something outside of books and um, the political intrigue, uh, the promise that it would be more adult was very exciting. And the creatives involved from looking at what their previous uh, television work was, was also promising. Though you never quite know what you're going to get. I just guess the birth of the rebellion, and I was hoping to get some sweet, um, you know, space Jimmy Smiths, but um, 
They did a <laughs> switcheroo, and that was in Kenobi, but here we go. <laughs> There's always season two. <laughs> exactly. I um, was very excited about what I expected. <laughs> I did not get what I expected, uh, but in a good way. I had anticipated some James Bond-level espionage and, and sort of that you know, rogue agent that um, was, you know, suave and daring and really just kind of practiced in the craft. You know what I mean? Mm. And uh, that's not the Andor that we get, which I think is also very interesting because he's not like some super spy, which Mm. is great for for the entire concept, for the show, for the overall fight of the rebellion that goes into the uh, original trilogy and all. And um, that's why they don't have me writing these things, because (laughs) I would have done that and it probably wouldn't have been as good. Um, it's funny. I was the same, very similar to you guys. Was that uh, love the character, even though we know what happens to him? But where does that story begin? And uh, we didn't watch. I think I watched one of the trailers, and that was it. And just sort of kept it as low key as typically as I try and do. I think that also helped as well because there was so much talk about what this was going to be. Like you're saying, Pat, like a, a James Bond style uh, intrigue and internet. Well, m- multiple worlds and all that kind of stuff. So I said, well, let's just let it. Let's see what happens. And uh, we know where it ends, but I can't wait to see where it begins. Yeah, and of course, it begins in episode one. Funny enough, they did a good job on that one. The first world that we see in the, the first episode, it completely grounded the series in what we saw in the movie. And that was a really great thing to see for me. So, wow, they've translated that, uh, that gritty, uh, dark, sort of grayish, lived-in world, translated to the small screen quite differently from... The uh, other Disney Plus series, whether it being, you know, on location with some of the uh, Book of Boba Fett or even The Mandalorian, we had that real world feel to it and it immediately helped the story. And we yeah, went and straight I, to a spice brothel. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's really what you were excited to see, wasn't it? Um, but rewinding back to when you first see Cassian and he's in that alleyway and, and he kills that that other um that other guy that's that's like freaking out and there's troopers coming and all he's like you gotta go bow pow so um when you see him like that and you're like oh man like this is this is some serious business with this guy mm. and then the series opens up like this it's it's perfect because you're like this is the world where he lives and this is part of what molds him to be who we see you know in the in the film even in the Kenobi series, where you had that planet where there was like neon signs and stuff, and um, and it was you know it was all, all sorts of like arabesh like writing, just kind of plastered on billboards and stuff. It was cool. It was neat to Very, see because it's, yeah. it's it shows a different corner of the galaxy than you saw in certainly in the original trilogy, and even to to a pretty serious extent in the prequels, it was like. A lot of backworld, sort of sparsely populated places, you know, safe for Coruscant. But, you know, this is like hustle and bustle of these almost lower level Coruscant where it's, you know, doggy dog and and really every man for himself. Yep. I think I think, Charles, what um, you were referring to earlier about uh, that grounding it in reality, not using the volume, which we were all thrilled with when we saw but um, I just think uh, 
this wasn't the time to use that. And it gave it, it's not even like, it's like a drinking game to call it gritty or slow burn, isn't it? But um, it, it just had a, a um, authenticity. Let's use that. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it was sort of something I've kind of imagined in my head. Like when I used to watch Star Trek, I thought, oh, I wish they could have some Star Wars shows where it's not about the explosions, the effects. It's about just the characters or it's about a story. And I mean, they all are about stories, but just sort of actually looking at something that's not familiar um, and that was good to not rely on nostalgia or familiarity with Star Wars. It's about um, seeing a place that the Empire hadn't taken over yet, you know, and then we see that happen later on. So that was that was tough, I, to be honest, the first three episodes for me to watch. Um, mm-hmm. A lot going on in one sitting. That's just me. I do like, I do like it and I do like this sort of stuff, but it's something – very hard to watch three in a row, you know, so that, right. that's what I found hard. But when I went back to watch them one after the other at a time, second time, I get into it more because there's a lot of stuff I missed. So mm-hmm. that was a very new, different thing for me to watch in the Star Wars universe. And I've watched that in other different universes of things I've watched. So it was very familiar in a different way, but never not in the Star Wars way. So I really enjoyed that, that it was so different like that. Mm. Yeah, and you think about each of these episodes – coming in close to like 50 minutes worth of content or maybe 48, 50 minutes worth of content. Um, each one, uh, add those things up. You got a bunch of movies in there. And, you know, we saw that in the first episode where we started off on um, Morlana. And like you said, Pat, you know, he kills that guy quite quickly without much thought, sets the tone of the episode. Um, suddenly then we're uh, jettisoned into his past. And then we're mm-hmm. on um, Canari and he's among a whole bunch of, kids and no adults which i only really picked up the second viewing like i you know you watch it and it's like wait a second there is there is not really anyone older than looking like maybe 17 18 whatever and then we start to see where he actually came from and what's going on in this world yeah i was anticipating some sort of event as a child to kind of set him on the path to where he where he you know ultimately ended up going with his sort of um, isolated, um, strike quick and fast and uh, and get out of there sort of mentality that he had when we first see him, and you don't get that. It's just kind of he's he's been made to figure it out himself. You know, he's he's got very very little guidance, if any, prior to the events of the show where he gets picked up. From the down ship there mm. um you know he's been kind of loosely following the example of some of the other members of of that sort of tribe that he's with and that's it you know you, you, don't, you don't get the sense that they have actual homes or you yeah. know and, and obviously no mm. families so it's like you know this is this is what you have this is you learn from it what you will and then you you know, try and make your way through the galaxy and through life because that's all the, that's all the example you're going to get. Great to see that um, tradition of Star Wars uh, found family or the adoption sort of yeah. Uh, yeah. angle, which I really – it's great that they just keep doing it over and over again, but it works because it's powerful. Yes. Mm. And I think it directly impacts the characters, you know, whoever yes. they've – whoever's brought them into the fold influences them in uh specific ways 
where, you know, if you have people like Owen and Baru, you've got that sort of moral system that they instill in Luke versus, you know, versus the, the completely different standards that like when you take Anakin into the Jedi Temple and, and you teach him those value systems, then you've got these different sort of influences that are shaping these these characters in grossly different ways. Hmm. Uh, we met some new characters, of course, they're starting to establish the world. We met uh, Bix, uh, and we met mm. Tim, yeah. and then oh, Tim. Cyril, who seems very, oh, very driven. We also met, it's funny, you know, when we first meet Brasso, uh, who's another sort of gruff character, uh, immediately I thought of his colors. I thought he was an older Ezra. The oranges, the yellows, the pattern on of, of his coat, I was like, Wait a second, is this okay. Ezra? It was very. It was. I had the momentary like. Wait a second, who is this? Um, so that was interesting uh, as a call out to rebels. Uh, but then also we meet um, the fantastic B two emo and uh, yet another droid who absolutely steals the heart. And um, like you said, Dale, that the you know the Star Wars consistently is able to make found family a central theme without hitting you over the head with it. Uh, here's yet another mm-hmm. droid who absolutely steals the show within the first few seconds and uh, sets the tone for yet another um, cherished character and like what's going to happen to him throughout the whole series. I love old Bob. <laughs> <laughs> the, yes, exactly. Um, the black hole, right? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, Vincent and Bob. You- absolutely. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought Charles short circuited there for a second because <laughs> I wrote that down in my notes. Like, oh my gosh, like Vincent and Bob. <laughs> Charles, Charles and I are the vintage uh, generation, so exactly. we, we we get these uh, references. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's interesting because one of our friends, Rob at the Jedi Temple Archives, he um, I don't want to say took umbrage with the fact that B 2s vocal pattern is sort of staccato. Uh, and um, and how it's kind of going over that again, like they did with uh, Dio. Gotcha. But so my daughter's recently not to, not to get off topic, <laughs> but my daughter's recently gotten into records. Oh. So like real, like, like vinyl, like yeah, okay, yeah, old, like yeah. like we've got uh, mm. we've got a Vic, like a pretty awesome Victrola record player, and. Um, well, it's a record player, CD player, MP3, there's a jack to the phone, a Bluetooth, the whole thing. Um, but it looks like a like a like a cherry apple red fifties um, cruising car. It's wow. got like chrome pieces on it and stuff. Nice. It's awesome. It's the best. <laughs> so um, I use it when she's at school. Uh, so she, you know, she started listening to records and all. She's cool. Then sometimes they skip, and she's like, "It's skipping." I'm like, "Listen, get these old records. Sometimes it's gonna happen." Um, so that's kind of what it reminds me of. Is like. You get these these speech patterns of these old, you know, kind of broken down droids that have been refurbished and rebooted and all this. It's like every once in a while you're going to get that skip. And I think it's really cool. It's a great analogy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> V2 looks like a, a, an old record player for sure. He lift his lid and, you know, slap right. down one of the vinyls and there you go. <laughs> Put the arm down, yeah. needle. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um <laughs> But he's he's kind really of like cool. that that old dog that is so loyal, but it's you know it's about to die. But huh. you know it's something heartbreaking about it. It works. Yep. <laughs> and Marva, we meet Marva. And Marva, yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yes, the Empire. 
<laughs> Let me yeah. make a note of that one. Yeah, good enough. F bomb yeah. at five oh. minutes in. <laughs> I'll give you more later. Insert B two emo sound. Exactly. Oh. I, I I got I got a warning for using a much worse word on another show, but anyway. Uh, this is why no one asks warning. me back. <laughs> I know. That's why you're always coming back here. Right. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't stopped us. Oh boy. Yeah. So these these characters are. Not even aside from Cassian, none of them are even alluded to in any other projects, which right. yeah. is great because they're kind of starting from scratch. With well, um, Mon, Mon Mothma, yeah, yeah, but she comes in like well, episode four, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's four. yeah, we're only up to episode yeah. three now, I guess. I, I do like Derek's. with Marva and Mon Mothma are sort of uh, two sides of the same coin. And oh, there's nice. and there's social economic differences and mm. there's um, grassroots and then political machinations, but it's a, another tradition of Star Wars: strong women building rebellions. The rebellion is the is female, um, mm. and there's just no denying that at at this point, um, they seem to have the cooler heads, the uh, long game, and it works. You get some like Vel that that seem to want to push things along a little uh, oh, yeah. a little quicker. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, and again, it just shows the different sort of personality types that are thrown into this thing and said, hey, you know, make this work, because if you don't, we're all screwed. <laughs> yeah, they certainly, the, the female um, side of that, they, not only do they have the long game, like you said, Dale, but also um, the ability to recruit, it seems, the right people for the right roles and um, not that Cassian was recruited. I mean, he was rescued slash uh, adopted slash, you know, uh, it was funny when I first saw the show, I was like, wait a second, is he, would he be better off staying there? Was he kidnapped? I mean, yes, he was in a precarious situation, but my first viewing of it was like, wait a second here. So he's being just taken away. Yeah, I get it that uh, he's maybe a few moments away from being in trouble, but um, who knows? He, this, this ragtag group of kids you know, possibly had the survival skills. I mean, they're still alive. They can forage and they can feed themselves, obviously. Um, so that so, so set off his character start for me in the show a little bit oddly. He's like, okay, well, how am I reading this? How's this going to play out in the future? Because obviously we see him as sort of a loving adopted son, but uh, it was a bit jarring in that sense. But um, given that with Marva, then you see how she surrounds herself with those people who can serve their purpose within the rebellion and still be a meaningful part of the family. Absolutely. Mm. So we move on to episode two. And uh, the, one of the first things that I noticed in this one was uh, the flight suits, uh, the uh, sort of the orange, the callback to the, um, <laughs> to the flight suits in the, oh, yeah. uh, you know, in, in the uh, original trilogy, which is always yeah. nice. Those little, you know, they're not hitting us over the head with the, uh, Easter eggs, but they're quite subtle, and they make it almost more uh, enjoyable when you do notice them. They're not, they're, you know, they're less of a uh, a distraction, more of a, an homage and a nice little nod to these things. So that's one of the things that I've loved about this series as well as well is the um, the subtlety with which they do those callbacks, and it again keeps it flowing very well. Uh, but you mm. certainly uh, appreciate them when you do see them. Yeah, it's not like they. Uh... You know, you get the force theme music swell when it happens. Yeah. And you're like, oh, all the focus is on that. <laughs> yeah. Not that we don't mind hearing but, it, but <laughs> But again, it's it's almost as if they've um they've gotten their hands on a uh 
on an old box of flight suits, you know, <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, here's a hundred of them. So, you know, we got a hundred of them. <laughs> and, um, because, you know, when you look at it, it's, it's, they're all different squadrons have their sort of uniform look, but then you've got the, you've got the oranges, you've got the greens, you've got the blues, like all the different, mm-hmm. um, types of uniforms based on like pr- likely availability. Yeah. And it's neat. It's very cool. You know, it keeps the world sort of grounded. It keeps it the, that sort of rebel ragtag approach as well, right? They're just using what they have. And, um, mm-hmm. de- you know, de- definitely, you know, in contrast to what we see with the empire has done, of course, we, when we are back on, um, Canary, we see that sort of strip mining, we see the, the devastation that they, they typically do. And they're very well known for, and, you know, reminds you of what Marva's working for and what the rebellion is about, you know, and then what I took away from the second episode is just how quickly the tension is just ratcheted up mm. in this episode. And first episode, sort of the table set, we get the characters and then episode two, we jump right into some of that intrigue that we were all expecting, and not just for Cassian, but Cyril and, and his commander and mm-hmm. the other guy as well. I mean, just all these decisions, all these discussions that they're having, that the tension level is crazy. Mm. Yeah, and seeing the IFB is pretty cool too. Oh, gosh. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Aren't they mm. a bunch of pricks? Like, imagine working there. Like, yeah. no. Like, you base, <laughs> le- yeah, base level sociopath to survive a week. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> yes. But it's, it's, easy to see how you've got that masters of evil roundtable discussion in a new hope um when you see this type of stuff because it's like all right this this is just another day at the office for these guys Mm -hmm. and they're terrible people yes but but they're tearing them each other apart to get climb on top of each other's backs not just sort of uh, Mm -hmm. outwardly um you know evil to the societies it's they're just bad to the bone yeah Mm. (laughs) yeah and they're stepping over each other to do that that's a great point is that the they're they're trying the best to do their backstabbing and it's almost self-serving for their overall mission right is that they do want these people to um you know uh put themselves over that they're you know their equals or their peers because well we want the best person and that's where Mm -hmm. you think about cyril is like immediately Mm. on this planet he was you know, he's prime ISB material right there with his obsession, yeah. but also, you know, his quiet intelligence as well. And he sees what's going on in a different light than his uh, commanding officer. And Mosk there, his sort of compatriot, who's also very dedicated, you can tell he's he's a lifer, right? He's got that, he's got the stamp of, I'm going to follow orders, sir, and do what needs to be done. And, um, but uh, Cyril definitely works on a different level in that sense. And he would, he would fit right in with the ISB for sure. And he's got those soulful blue eyes that match his uniform. And, you know, that's another appealing quality. And the stitching. He, he's got some great stitching ability. tailored uniform, yes. for sure. Well, look, yeah. I appreciate someone that, you know, takes care of themselves and, and puts their best foot forward. I think it's important. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even if that foot forward is leading them right into uh, the, the ISB. Yes. Um, <laughs> just, it's only a matter of time before we get Cyril cereal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, Come on. Oh, 2023 in uh, <laughs> Galaxy's Edge. A nutrition exactly. snack for sure. <laughs> a great way to start your morning of degrading from your mother. <laughs> yes. Aww. Well, well. well, things started to um, ratchet up, didn't they? Like with these uh, three 
episode arcs. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it, and look, I know it was a lot to sit through, a lot of intensity for poor Zabs because I had to sit yeah. next to him while, while it was happening. If you think about it, like from a marketing point of view, you really had to do it because yeah. it, it's yeah. too it's too different to anything else to dump one episode and go see you next week. Correct. Um, mm, come yeah. back. Yeah. And everyone binge watches anyway, so it makes no difference. <laughs> yeah. And again, when you're telling a story, when you're trying to get a specific idea across, it takes laying the groundwork and, and hitting the ground and then make, making steps forward. And you can't always do that in like 30, 40 minutes. And I think what you said earlier, Pat, like it's um also a lot of new characters. Like um, these aren't, we're not going, oh, it's the Obi-Wan show. So the base character is well known and we have an idea of what he's about. These are all, apart from Andor, everyone is, and let's face it, I'm sure there's a good chunk of people watching that aren't hugely familiar with Andor. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they know him yeah. from Rogue One, but what do they really know of his character and his traits and right. um so there's a, there's a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yet another character is uh, introduced in the third episode. We see Luthen for the first time. Yeah, and uh, what uh, in any great? Oh my gosh, ah. amazing! Love it. Oh, doesn't he know how to drop a Shakespearean speech? Like just snap his <laughs> yeah. fingers, and he's got one ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though, and he, I mean, and it's it's expertly delivered. Yeah. Oh. And it's at the right time, mm. under the right circumstances. Chef's kisses. Yes, yes, all the time. Yes. I mean, uh, he's like uh, Morgan Freeman. I mean, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like him to just to list off my grocery list and it would probably be like Shakespearean. It's like, we want to have, we're going to have half and half cream and cheese. <laughs> Don't forget the Parmesan. You know, like, and it's like the, it, it doesn't, and it's not forced. It's just, he has that presence and um, he comes in and delivers well, first of all, a very complex character, but mm-hmm. um, you immediately buy into where, why he is where he is, and uh, you, it's immediately engrossed in the story. And then, again, we're back up even more tensions. Like, what does he bring to the table? What is he expecting? You know, and his mm-hmm. uh, his line there: "Fight the bas- fight these bastards for real." Um, and like you said, Dale perfectly says that these first three episodes um, represent obviously an arc. Uh, the starting point and the ending point mm. um, to a certain degree. Uh, we get the the bookends of of what's going on with Cassian, but uh, it certainly does set the stage. And had they not done that, it would have been a tough sell to do even two of them. You get the you get this arc out of out the gate, and then we launch into the week to week. Unsatiable appetite for the next episode. Well, when Zobs and I watched it, we had a couple of other buddies over, and we mm. watched the first episode just. It, it, pause everyone quick get a drink go to Lou we'll start the next one and everyone was a bit like oh, I don't know yeah mm. so <laughs> if you had have just left it with the first one it wasn't um wasn't meaty enough to no absolutely it, it, in retrospect you can see how important it was and they were laying those foundations but you don't know that at the time yeah and and I mean I even feel like it did the whole arc it did get you oh now this is what's happening we're going to go on to the journey but still when you end there you go Oh, what's what's sort of going to happen? I'm, I want to see my Mothma. I want to see yeah a bit more, and I understand they're tr- trying to tell a backstory. But then when I started talking about it, and I by the time I got around to it, I was talking about the first four episodes, and we went, oh, I'm glad we're talking about it up to episode four because we can see where it's mm-hmm. going. So, but 
like I was saying before, it's like a good writer when you take your time to write that story. It's going to make it really good, you know, for the whole thing. So if you just rush through that, you don't know what's going on. Um, it wouldn't make sense for all the good bits. So yeah, but, but this it was this is tough. This is Empire Strikes Back level Star Wars. Like, mm-hmm. You know, challenge me on that. Oh. I, I, it is absolutely. This is grown up stuff. This is made for us that watched it as children because you know star wars is for children star wars is for children <laughs> not this star wars this star wars is for the children that are now grown up yeah 50 40 and, 50 years and, old yeah and yeah. um you know we don't look at it, but um and then you know it's it's given it's got that maturity to it and that um life experience it, it comes with like the characters that have true life experiences Absolutely. Yeah. And it, the way it's being presented, in the, let's say, like you were saying, Michael, like in the first three episodes, you're leaving the first arc. Okay, uh, this, this is good. I can't. Yeah, let's let's look at the next one. But if you just took those three and it's like, oh, boy, you could also look at it very well. It's like, oh, I don't know. You can you can sort of vacillate on a point there if, you know, the fourth episode doesn't come in and just like completely pull you to the other side. Um, you know, there's some people that we know that weren't the you know weren't that high on this app on this series just because it took so long it was a slow burn and mm. uh it does come down to um a certain type of almost like film noir sort of approach to it where you've got uh different things going on and you got some sacrifices all these different things but buying into these characters that we don't really know where they're going to end up and someone's like oh man who's going to die next week you know we don't see any of these people in the new hope is you know chief of all cassian <laughs> so you know if we know his fate what the, what the heck is the fate of the rest of them and mm-hmm. um that pulls us right into the next episode where again the anti-imperial activity now is really ratcheting up and the myth of where the rebellion starts is no longer shrouded now we know this cell in particular the march towards uh an action against the imperial even at this lower level is firmly in place at this point Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the, the brilliance of Luthen, for example, is that um, he says what Leia said in, in A New Hope when, you know, she says, the more you tighten your fists, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. Oh, and, right. yep. and then Luthen basically says, look, you know, the more they are reactionary to the people and um, almost punitive to these star, star systems, the more it'll trigger those people that are kind of just living under imperial rule and going going through to realize, hey, this is unfair and we need to do something about it and we need to you know, get this empire off our backs. So it's, it immediately kind of bridges that gap between those, those two very different individuals and 40 years of time. Um, to really just show you, hey, this is this is that overall mindset is that, you know, silence is, you know, complacency and 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 really just it's only going to get worse. But that triggering event or series of events throughout the galaxy is going to cause people to rise up. And, you know, whether the Empire decides to do that on their own or they're forced to, you know, make a statement, it's going to end up the same way. Do you know what's interesting about that, though? Um, because by the time we get to this episode, there's something really different that the show allows, which is we've seen rebellions before and we've seen brave and courageous characters. But 
these characters, you look at Luthen, you, that's a man on the edge. You look at um, Mon Mothma, they're sh- in their pants. Like, they really, it's it's real, you know, issues that, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just, oh, let's grab a uh, blaster and, and go. This is, you know, there's no guarantee for them that anything's going to be built um, and there's so much at stake. The main theme of the entire series is strategy. Mm. And that's going back to what we're talking about, the real world, like what people are doing, not just, oh, we're going to sort things out simple. It's, um, oh, I'm going to find that Cassian. Where did he get that part from? Who's he? He could be very valuable. And then the people he's recruiting, because it's about getting the job done. It's not about, oh, we're all in this together. Yeah, but it's about you're going to make a difference. You're going to make a change. You're going to make a blow. And then that's what's going to make us powerful to knock them down. It's just all those little things. And that's the beginning of episode three. But yes. building that, see, seeing yeah. this building blocks of the empire, that what what that the rebellion is so fascinating because of like Mon Mothra and Luther and these people, they mm. are living double lives. They're not, um, yes. you know, the men yeah. on the street. So they, they have so much to lose. And, um, and just the, the secrecy and the, uh, it's not, <laughs> it, it, there's no whiteboard with um, phase one, two, and three on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, yeah. There's not. Yeah. And they're, like you said before, Dale, was that they're, you know, they could turn a corner and be dead. They know that they're, mm-hmm. they're treading very, um, very cautious waters because of what they are trying to do. And you see that no better than Luthen while he's preparing himself to, um, you know, go into his antiquity shop. He, goes like there's a complete 180 from this secretive sort of rebellion operator to this salesman and he has the smile and he's got the clothing and he's got the flair in a moment's notice because that's that's the role he's playing yeah Yeah. you can see how he like gets into character yeah yeah because they have like like there's so many actors like oh once i put on the the you know the costume or or the the wig or whatever the case may be once i do that i i feel in character and then can go perform the role and that's that's what he does you almost see it um you know when he's he's putting on the the jewelry yep. and, and just kind of getting into character and he looks in the mirror and he's like hmm. here i am you know luthan antiquities dealer and and then he just he sells it perfectly when you're looking at him from from the driver's perspective, not hearing anything, you see him, you know, selling these items and, and really just kind of being that, that shop owner who's trying to make that sale. And then, you know, when you're, when you're in there listening, you hear that they're, they're purposeful with their dialogue to, to get the point across without, you know, while evading listening ears. Hmm. And, and that's, what's great that he is this um, sort of, upper middle class um you know it's antiquities it's not for it's not uh, some spare parts right dealer um and the lower levels of coruscant that's got nothing to lose this is mm-hmm. you know it's very different yeah, yeah. well we yeah. see the lower ends uh, lower parts of coruscant that's where cyril is and it's funny as a contrast when he's when he's jettisoned from his position he's going down those levels where his um where he lives and he can sort of see the descent that he goes through and the struggle where he's trying to make it out of uh, to advance not just his career, but you can see why he's driven. He doesn't want to be where he is or where he ends up for sure. And then all that contrast against the ISB, 
like the the clean white look everywhere you look. I mean, no one ever spills anything. I mean, it's, it's the most it's the cleanest place ever, and they're all crisp. And and what he says is, what do we do here? We are healthcare. They are the the, the immovable object, and everyone's sort of fighting mm-hmm. around them. They you know where the ISB is, so you have to have mm. these operators like Luthen and uh, Mon who are skirting both sides of it because without that there how that how are you even going to make it how are you going to make it out of there I mean there's so much um, tension riding in the ISB to advance one's career they're going to do they're going to look for every angle and uh, you know we see that with um, Daedra is how she's uh, she's like the new rising star and she is absolutely an unstoppable force as well so you you got to have these characters who are skirting those two sides to be able to make an inch anywhere uh against the empire and the isb well and what what a performance for deidre you know like yeah. this mm. is this is a really fresh character as well from as far as imperials go because with you you root for her in the beginning you you it's like mm. you you secretly wanting her to to succeed, and you're like, hang on a minute, like, what's going on here? <laughs> hang on, if she succeeds, then that would lead. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> back to oh. <laughs> That's the beauty of these characters, like her and Cyril, and all. Is this like you've got these people that are willing to go the distance to do what needs to be done to rise above and to take what is you know perceived to be theirs look i don't think Deidre or cyril have a life anyway um i think right. their life is, <laughs> no, is no. right is just you know Work. existing and yeah. it's like the they're, they're all in this mindset you survival mo- mode that you do what you have to do to survive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. the more you do the better you survive yeah yeah and if you can rise to the top while you're at it then good for you Right. And hoping that your obsessiveness or your, your, driv- your driving nature for your job carries you there. And that's, you can see that with Cyril in the, the Axe Forgets there, episode five, where he's having Cyril with his mom and just how, you know, not demeaning, but like she's, I mean, what a fantastic character, first of all. But, oh boy. But my gosh, you can see why it's like, okay, I'm just going to eat my cereal and get out of here. And, um, uh, you know, and then which is very interesting is this Uncle Harlow character um, that she keeps oh, mentioning. Um, <laughs> He's, you know, yeah, like, I'm just going to stop you there because we all know that Uncle Harlow, I know we're not going to see him, but that surely that's like George Costanza's dad or something who's going to play that. Like, we know that, right? <laughs> we're going to see him on Festivus. <laughs> that's what we're all visualizing. Yes. Yeah. Especially yeah. based off the mother. Absolutely. You know? Oh, boy. <laughs> Hey, Michael, talk to us about uh, Mon Mothma and, the, um, and her family, because this is where we first see uh, her oh. full family in this one. Oh, that Amazing. trick of a husband. Oh. Yeah. I'm oh, like, my God, oh. he's the worst. Why? Oh, you know, they got married so young, and I think she's over it now, and she's, her ideals have changed. You can just sort of see it and feel it. Like, she doesn't like her husband. That's what I thought saw straight away. And her daughter doesn't like her. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. Just... Um, the it's husband's the greatest villain that Star Wars has ever seen. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, <laughs> he's like Darth Vader, but no. also parent. No. Um, so respect to Chloris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So and it's... what's that 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 wank um, ponytail shit? Like, what <laughs> that? like you just you know those guys, don't you? And you and I can tell yeah. you what this parent. I'm going to tell you this for now. He rides a bike and gets into Lycra on a Saturday, and goes to cafes. He does. I'm you now. He does. And you know, I think that the the thing is they they probably were loosely arranged in marriage because that seems to be a a, a thing um and so not only that but it was probably when they were quite young so making excuses for his personality it is so bad i'm not i think that he was a 16 year old boy and is still a 16 year old boy and that's the issue is nah no you got it wrong he's he's (laughs) gonna be sniffing wine before he drinks it at a table <laughs> and then everyone around him's got to hear about the bouquet and all the right you know this guy he's one of those people puts in his mouth smushes it around before he spits <laughs> <Yeah>. it out <laughs> he's got a little airy yeah wanker it goes wanker. to show she's brought up rich and stuff and then she's at some point in her life realizes what's going on <laughs> and try- had getting people on her side you know talking at the parties and stuff you know it's very secretly Noticing that people are not liking the empire, but they're too scared to speak up. So, it's right. um, it's like, gee, what, what life was I living, or how to get into this? This is not right. Um, so right. it's very powerful. Technically, she's had that conversation for a long time because we go back to Revenge of the Sith for the deleted scene. There was mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. discourse there where they were trying to sort of uh, start that conversation. So I don't know how many years that is before this first season of Andor, but it's a while. Yeah, this is... 15. Uh, yeah, 15 years, yeah. And I think that his character in the series just shows us how ignorant some of these people, you know, with that sort of affluence are with the goings-on in the galaxy. Because it's like, ah, it doesn't affect me, so I'm not worried about it. And it's like, there are there are people that are, you know, under harsh imperial rule and and they're just under the empire's thumb and and being treated awfully but we're we're sitting pretty pretty so you know we don't well, have to worry about it isn't that the beauty of star wars though that they've always represented that because unfortunately that's human nature you can yeah. call it yeah. vietnam yeah. war you can call it the the yeah. environmental yeah. issue now where um you know big corporations are pillaging lands and um, resources and and then those that are rich are turning their back on it all. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I like this. I can really connect to that to the real life events because I see that like, it's, yeah, we're all fine, but hang on, no, that's not right. This something's not right here. So we should be taking control of that and making a difference. That super inspires me. Just seeing those conversations of like, you could just live your life, be fine, be rich, whatever, no worries, and just. Mm-hmm ignore like you know Jin when she said the flags are up just put your head down right you know yeah but not she's not and that's um that's that sort of inspiration that I'm going to take to you know <laughs> down to my life you know what I mean yeah 100 percent. and it for me it takes it to the local aspect you see the the imperial view of the local planets they're just assets let's just whatever you know yeah. scrape them clean and then you get this, these rebel cells, right, working together to, to better the galaxy. But you can also then look at it to better your own local environment. You can take those things to heart and make a difference locally. Um, 
And you know, when you, then you think back to Mon, who's taking on the uh, the two sided view of what she's trying to do and how she how deep she is in the rebellion. I mean, the first thing that stunned me, first of all, is that I never even considered that she had a family. When we first meet them, I'm like, it, it, that was one of the biggest surprises personally from this show. It's yeah. like, holy crap. Mm. I never even, I'd never thought about it really. You just mom, Muthma, you know, whatever. But she's married. She has a child. And it's like, wow, this, then you fast forward that to where we see her in the, the original trilogy or even the, um, the prequels. Like, wow, all this was going on at home while she was still trying to pull all this off. And that's like, gives mm-hmm. her a completely different picture. It's like, wow, what a, what a phenomenally strong character. That's probably Amazing. why his daughter saying it's all about you mum, and all this sort of stuff because she's probably doing stuff within that so she's taking a, her time away from her daughter to do that that's that's obvious that i sort of saw mm. just those subtle things yeah and you also look at the relationship that that she and parent have that's oh just, stop just, bringing him up <laughs> <laughs> well and that's the thing is he's he's like the laissez-faire sort of like cool parent that lets his daughter do whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you when you have a parent that has rules, it's like they're not the fun one. I don't like them. I don't want to be around them. And then he comes in here like the like the douche nozzle he is and and like has no rules and just is all about like affluence and disregard for basic responsibility. And she's a teenager. Of course that's what she's gonna gravitate towards. Right. And he uses that against Mon. Like Do you think that he has like a pair of like pink suede um, loafers? <laughs> I think he does. <laughs> they're perfectly and they're always shined very well, by the way, and they're always they're very fresh looking. The suede mm-hmm. is is very shiny, right? Um, <laughs> and this episode also, we um, are introduced to this Aldani arc, and yes, um, that's, yeah, and this is like the starting point. Yet another sort of an intrigue, and and uh, Cassian's uh, added to this uh, sort of ragtag crew again. Another. With some sort of mission, right? And we get right. to meet a whole new host of characters. Um, very interesting. We got, uh, uh, you know, each of them having their own uh, expertise in this in this operation. And it's got to be tough for Cassian. It's like you know, Luthen believes in him or wants to believe in him, and um, mm-hmm. he needs him to make this thing work. He, uh, Luthen is thinking, and now Cassian here is set off into another, almost an adoption to another family. For a short run mm-hmm. and he has to integrate himself into them and figure out who they are how is he going to play off what's his role there you know his code name is his father's name um which is really yeah. kind of cool mm. um you don't know again what's coming and it's like it's not yet another layer of tension it's like now what is he doing like this show has so many cool layers of um intrigue and tension it's like each episode just gets better and better and better and one of the tensions is like when you actually see a tie fighter go through that, that had more yes. effect because normally they just go through you know star wars it's all happening but like ah you know hide the weapons let's hide gee and you can feel it yeah you know it's really brought a lot of tension and the fact that they having to go far away from the city to you know hide and do their operation it was just you could feel it it was really good yeah with this three episode heist um you can really see it as a, a movie with some minor tweaks of editing um mm-hmm. It could. It would be fantastic yeah. to see on a big screen. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. And then there's that guy that builds those models. I identify with him immediately. <laughs> exactly. I hope. I hope nothing happens to him. <laughs> <laughs> those models were amazing. <laughs> right. Fantastic. He's like building Helm's Deep over here out of cardboard. I'm like, okay. 
right up my alley. <laughs> You're gonna want a um um a, a six inch uh black series uh, to scale version of that for sure. <laughs> right. So then I then I saw the actual set and I was like, uh, you know what, buddy, you, there's a couple pieces that aren't to scale, and like, I'm a jerk. Yeah, yeah. The grass is the wrong color. I, I don't know. I don't know what you're looking at, but you're not doing it's that like, right. I only have three paints. <laughs> and I'm like, you get to see the empire exploiting another place. You know, oh, the Aldani people. We, they yep. don't accept transport, so they just go for a walk because that's what they do. And you know, we're from shelters, and then they'll eventually sort of disappear, yeah. kind of thing. And just just another example of how they exploit people. Or, yeah. Just amazing. We met uh, Nemix. We met Skeen, uh, mm. Taramin. Um, mm. We also then we, Vel. We get we had met Vel there as well. Um, yeah. And um, the uh, Lieutenant Gorn. <laughs> uh, oh boy! <laughs> another Star Trek reference for Pat. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's a, uh, a completely original name. And um, one of the really cool little tidbits that's, um, that that this show has done well is just by mentioning some of the planets. I mean, we, you know, throughout these few first few episodes, we heard Scarif, mm-hmm. but also in this one, we heard about Hosnian Prime and Jakku. We heard about Kessel, and and this was mostly within the ISB. And it's just fun to sort of see, like that's how far-reaching, of course, you have to. The ISB has to be to keep uh, all these sort of uh, disparate planets under their thumb. But it's uh, those little bits and pieces that are really always uh, sort of cool to hear. Yeah, they are fun, aren't they? Those um, little nerdgasms. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like, <laughs> oh, he said it. He said Bosnian Prime. <laughs> <laughs> and the creativity in these in these different sort of civilizations, where you've got the the eye, and and this the local, you know, d- dwellers sort of um, almost rituals surrounding the eye and 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 how they you know they celebrate it and then they may have like uh ritualistic parties for the eye to celebrate it and and how they the empire tries to prepare for that and to be ready for this big party and then of course how how the the rebels are going to uh plan to exploit that mm. um as cover for their getaway uh but it's just it's like the creativity is is really very interesting to see. Okay, maybe there's this this planet that has this, you know, asteroid belt that comes by and and has this beautiful show and puts on like almost like a aurora borealis type of effect mm. for the people living there. And it's you know, it's it's a great event to to use as a as a device where like okay, so we've got this much time and it adds a layer of interesting got astrology that's we, the one gotcha it also leads to an interesting um sort of sense of urgency i, yeah. I think also mm-hmm. a, a very very basic uh visual beauty it's like the cinematography is fantastic it's something really unique and and something we haven't seen before it looked fantastic oh yeah the amazing yeah, yeah it yeah. did and it does, like you said, Pat, it adds that layer of uh, time. And, you know, we got this talk about, like you're saying, Dale, like this is a fantastic little bottle of a movie. Um, you've got a de- deadline. You're marching towards yeah, it. Yeah, ticking clock. Yeah. And you've got mm. this new player in the, in, you know, in the person of Cassian dropped in at the very last minute to tie it all together. Um, and Cyril comes back up and he's absolutely obsessed with Cassian and now is sort of showing that that tenacity that he has is actually paying off for him. And... On the other side, you've got uh, Luthen, 
uh, at his store and is like obsessing over it and worried. And you know, the line was that, uh, don't worry, this will all be over. And then he says, or it's just starting. And the way he, the way that ends that episode again, it's like, now I can't wait for another seven days to watch the next episode. And you can see too, uh, like you're saying, Dale, uh, with a little bit of editing and you can just sort of see a you know, fade or swipe right. And then boom, the next day happens, you know, in a movie, but we, now we have to wait a whole week. I, I, uh, think, yeah. I, I think I've just, um, predisposed to liking, um, cinema more than TV. So everything I'm watching, I always try and think, or oh, how would you make, you know, how would you put it into uh, a movie right. form? Cause yeah. it's my preferred medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose I'm sort of more the opposite. I like that long story build up and um, I just loved how, once again, you could feel the tension when they're being the soldiers, you know, you have to walk mm-hmm. like a soldier. They're going to catch you out rather than just Luke and Han, you know. Oh, oh God, I'd, I'm lost if they ask me to do that. That's the end of it. Um, <laughs> can we talk about the manifesto as well? Yes. Oh, and Which yeah, I think you- is very important and yeah. He's fascinating. I mean, he, he's got the his yes. angle, his uh, the heart, the mouth, the voice of the rebellion, and his manifesto, which uh, plays obviously later in the series as well, but is so poignant. And when he's reading it to him, you can tell how he believes in it. But wow, like how on point is he? And um, and the, and the character that he is is sympathetic as well. He's not this you know you expect with that type of manifesto, maybe being uh, like Skeen or something, having that gruff hard edge. But no, he's this likable guy young guy an idealist yeah and that's mm-hmm. the it, it's it sort of offsets the message that he's getting it's like wow if this character can be this uh likable but then have this drive and these idealisms that he's written this book about um mm-hmm. makes him so interesting it's really intense too isn't it absolutely yes yeah did cassian have that manifesto with him in rogue one um yeah that's what the that's what the the, the rumor is out there Okay, I'm just looking at the uh, Rogue One Ultimate okay. uh, visual Ooh, guide, nice. and mm-hmm. I can see a, a shot with a something that does look like a book stuck to his ah. pocket. So, wow, maybe. there we go. Very okay. cool. Look Very at that cool. on the fly. Very, Very nice. Cool. Well-stocked library. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting that, that Nemec is, is really the first to accept Cassian. Yes. You know, when, when everyone is skeptical of him and it speaks to Nemec's character to say, hey, you know, if, if he's here, he's here for, you know, maybe not exactly the same reasons that the rest mm-hmm. of us are here because he doesn't know his, his reasoning for that, at that point. But if he's here, he's here for the same objective. So, you know, we need the help we can get. And, you know, he seems to have a grasp on what needs to be done. So, so welcome. Yeah. I think we look at it, uh, the show's called Cassian is called Cassian about Cassian Andor. It's called Andor, but these are, these characters are all building the Andor that we get in Rogue One. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're components, be it Marva or, um, you know, getting the manifesto. These are all the building blocks. Uh, as we go through the further episodes as well, we see that, as well, he's getting bits and pieces from other mm-hmm. people, and like you said, Pat too, is that even when, because uh, in the in the eye, the sixth episode, he does reveal that he's like basically a hired gun. You know, that's why I'm here. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. even at that point, Nemec doesn't sort of disassociate himself. He's again, like you said, uh, well, he's here to help. I mean, what you know, it's not going to be easy, but I'm glad you're here. Essentially, is that look, we're all sort of fighting for the same thing, um, even if it is quote unquote for the money, and obviously 
uh, Cassian proves to be uh, critical because he can fly the, the tugboat that they have to fly. And so the assault on the Imperial um, outpost to get the money, um, again, talk about God. tension. And first of all, Cinta is just kick ass. I mean, she is like, mm-hmm. she ends up being mm. like the ultimate uh, operator. She's smooth and calm and is, you know, doing her job to get there. But once she's on, on Mark, for, she's an f- unstoppable force and helps to bring Val back, sort of vacillating between starting and not starting. Uh, she mm-hmm. certainly um, g- gets her back on track and how the whole heist then plays out again, full of tension edge of your seat, watching them like, you know, mm. load the money into the ship and uh, you know, doing what the best they can and, uh, you know, figuring out the, the jamming. It's all happens within 50 minutes. I couldn't, it felt like I could watch this for another hour. I could not believe it was over when it was over. And like you were saying, Dale, the eye, when the, we see them through that visual spectacle and absolutely beautiful uh it's just phenomenally done and artistic and like you're saying as well pat it was like the uh something that we've never it's like a local uh, you know local phenomenon every four years right but mm. the creativity is to sit down and like how could this look what do you think it's in every four years it'll put time stamp on it. it'll give it tension for time but then then you look at this visual thing and now you know why even the imperial yeah. officer stationed there are asking to go and see it you know i mean they even they understand even with you know the imperial disdain for the local people and the local culture even they realize that this is a visual and you know once in a lifetime sort of thing to see because it's mm-hmm. absolutely beautifully done. Mm. And what was really cool too, um, I, I only picked this up on the second time around, but the when they're in the ship and um, unfortunately Nemec gets like hammered by one of those like uh, you know the rolls of um, uh, money, yeah. and he's oh, just man. like at the Who's back. Who's going to build their models now? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> Bad volunteers, <laughs> and he's basically dying, and he's the one that has yeah. to give the coordinates, and uh-huh. um, and he's saying, "Where do I go?" Cassie's like freaking out. What am I doing? Because they've got now they've got uh, Tie Fighters chasing them, yeah. and then uh, Nemec is like, "Climb, climb," and then that's exactly what K two is saying in Rogue One. I mean, that when I sort of made that connection, and of course everyone else I saw oh, yeah. that uh, picked up on it as well, but um, it still doesn't make those that one moment of realizations like that that heart-wrenching like oh my gosh there's a call out to rogue one but also on you know k2's deathbed trying to help cassian get where he needs to go and here's nemec doing mm-hmm. the same thing it's like yikes that's uh that was uh that was tough cassian then shows his loyalty to nemec he yeah he makes a diversion to the planet to get they had this contingency if someone gets hurt let's do it and mm-hmm. it's like well if we have mm-hmm. the opportunity to do it you know, almost like that, that connection that they had is like, well, this is the right thing to do. And again, Cassian shows his true color of like, yeah, yeah. we're, in, we're fighting a rebellion. But we also take care of each other. It's not just about the individual. It's about the overall movement. They take Nemec to this uh, pre-planned planet to get some help. And unfortunately, uh, he dies. But uh, he's not the only one who dies on this planet. Um, and that was, again, oh um, a very, uh, very strong affront of how quickly Cassian saw what was going on with Skeen and what he did to him was mm-hmm. just m- mm. mind-blowing. It's a sort of a gutsy move on Cassian's behalf because a lot of these people are still kind of not convinced. Mm-hmm. And then when it's just you two and this guy is now dead, like, okay, well, you killed him. Why? Yeah. Like, what is, what's going on here? This guy's been with us for a while and you just killed mm-hmm. him. Like, what's up with that? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's he very easily could have attempted to, you know, 
like tattletale on him or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, it would have been a he said he said, and we've known him longer. And now you're on the outs because you're you know you're trying to drive a wedge between us or whatever. Maybe that's what you're here for. And there's this whole level of paranoia that goes on. And it's very interesting to see from the perspectives of that yeah. because, you, you know, when you first see Saul in Rogue One mm. and he's just a freedom fighter, okay, when you first see him in Clone Wars and, and Rebels and all, he's a freedom fighter. He's a, he's a little strange, mm. okay, and then you see him in this kind of elusive hard to get to hard to find yeah and then when you see him in present day rogue one he is a paranoid <laughs> crazy man yes yes because yeah anybody could could stab you in the back anybody could be bought off anybody mm. who's not absolutely 100 percent loyal to the cause can be exploited by the empire by spies by anybody to to kill you and that's what he says to to Jin, he says, "Are you are you here to kill me? Did they send you to to kill yeah, me?" Gosh, and so it's very easy to see how you get there because you've got these people that are either in it for themselves or or are um, very disadvantaged, and you know, Empire comes along and throws them a little bit of uh, credits here, <laughs> and you know, all they have to do is is betray their leader and. It puts you as a leader or as a um, as a person of influence through for this cause in a in a weird position where you you almost have to be paranoid to survive. And I think um, if you if you look at as you said earlier about well, none of these characters are seen in you know the original movies or so we assume that a lot of them aren't going to make it through. Um, mm-hmm. And even with Luthan, like you know. Does he lose his way? Does is Andor sent to kill him? Who mm-hmm. knows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that takes care of the first six episodes, essentially, of mm-hmm. Andor season one. And we are going to continue this fascinating and scintillating conversation over on It's True All of It's show. We're going to um, break this up into two parts. And um, so you guys, why don't you let everyone know where uh, we can find part two and all the rest of your awesomeness of your show. Okay. Um, it's true. All of it, a Star Wars podcast, look us up on through iTunes and um, we usually come under the same search bar as uh, conversations because we've got a lot of combinations yeah. of our episodes. So you'll find us quite easily. What about your music, Michael? Oh, you want to find that too? Yeah. Um, April next year in 2023, it'll all be released on Spotify. It's under Such Great Lives nice. and Zabologist, S-Z-A-B-O-L-O-G-I-S-T. Um, there'll be Star Wars Songs Volume 1, which will be good for all the fans, and then you'll you'll find the other albums from there. So nice. um, looking forward to that finally coming out soon. Very cool. Check and it as out. our listeners know, um, Michael is uh, responsible for our uh, our intro song exactly so uh we're forever grateful for that one as well <laughs> yeah <it's true. laughs> we've just started mixing it actually we go every now every two weeks because uh cam also wrote uh, a song for oh us. yeah that's awesome <laughs> so we're going back He's and so forth funny every two yeah. uh every, so ridiculous. every yeah yeah 
Oh, man. So, Charles, anybody that's listening that doesn't know where we are, which is probably both of them, um, <laughs> we're at conversations.com. Um, that's our website. And we have uh, social accounts, facebook.com slash conversations, at Suations on Twitter. Instagram has us at conversations. We have a link tree that's link.tree slash conversations and the bio.link slash red5 will get a hold of us as well as a lot of our other friends in the Red 5 podcast and content network. Very nice. Sound good? Very good. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, I guess to take us out of this one, we've been waiting for this episode since we were six years old. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. Network.